Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to America's Off-Road Podcast, brought to you by Off-Road Power Products. Fueled by enthusiasm, a passion for the outdoors, and a spirit of adventure, we drive the industry we love. Welcome back to another episode, everybody. I've got Mr. Ashford West in the house today. What's up, guys? Um, Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Um, We've got some pretty cool stuff to chat about today, Toyota-specific. So if you're a Toyota guy, you should like this one. Um, But before we dive into that, as always, thank you very much for the downloads, the watches, the views. Um, means a lot to us. We love doing this. Um, If you guys do have a question, want us to cover a specific topic, would like us to go into more detail on a past topic that we've already covered, Make sure you reach out to us. All those emails go directly to me, and we will for sure address them. Podcast at offroadpowerproducts.com, and uh, submit that. We'll get you hooked up and uh, cover your question on an episode. So um, today we are talking about Grout, which is the name of your new Toyota Tacoma, which has already got a lot of stuff on it. If you guys follow us on, like, I think we did a newsletter post on it. Yeah, we did a newsletter. We got a YouTube video and maybe Instagram story or um, what do they call it? Reel or what's the videos on Instagram? Yeah, the stories. Story, I guess. Yeah. Huh? So we've got it kind of <laughs> floating <laughs> we have a around team for that. Yeah. Uh, so chances are you guys have probably seen it. Super cool Toyota. Uh, right out of the gate, it's an eye catcher because uh, I've said it a million times. Toyota knocks it out of the park with their colors. Um, so he's what is it, the cement gray Tacoma? Yeah. That? What I, year is it? It's a 2019. I've touched on it a little bit in the past, and really, it's it's not going to be too exciting um, for those that follow us for our extreme hardcore off-road stuff. This is not going <laughs> to flip your skirt up by any means. But it's uh, at the end of the day, it's a it's a truck. It's my commuter. So we'll touch a little bit on what I've done, what I've improved upon, why I chose it, um, which I did in the video. So if you have the chance to check out the video, definitely do so. Um, or give us some comments on it, but um, kind of entered the build originally. Actually, I'm going to back up a little bit. <laughs> I've had a pretty extensive past in the off-road industry. Um, 
started really getting heavy into off-road around 2006, seven. Um, I started my first job at an off-road shop in 2008. So I've really been kind of in this industry for a long time. So I'm saying this because I know there's going to be somebody that's like, well, why don't you do this and dig your oh, tire yeah. and do that? For those, I've had rock crawlers. I've had Toyotas on 40s and one tons. I've had full-blown wheelers that you beat the living snot out of. I've had 650-plus horsepower diesel pickups. I've had a lot of cool trucks over the years, and this is probably the least cool truck that I've had. I wouldn't say it's not cool, but it's very practical, and to me, that's what makes it cool. So I think it's... Yeah, depend. It, it's not relatable to the typical, maybe guy tuning in who who's been following us. But it's still a rad Toyota. At the end of the day, it's. I think everybody, even if you're a hardcore off-road enthusiast that maybe drives something pretty nasty, rock crawler, you know, buggy, you name it's it, you can still relate. Like you still have to drive to and from work, and it would be cool to have something that you could go play around in the woods that has a heater and a windshield and AC. Right, and so, so to take it even back and before we dive into it so you did all of this you've had these awesome rigs you've had the super high horsepower single cab diesel trucks you've had the the rock crawlers why a toyota tacoma that's practical it's a pretty bad choice really (laughs) (laughs) um i've been a toyota guy in the past i kind of all my projects have always been really toyota related and i've always loved their reliability um kind of their workhorse mentality there's no thrills there's nothing exciting about it they don't make power they don't do anything they just they don't die that's the biggest thing survive so me having a kind of a new family i got two kiddos and a wife i wanted to get into a platform that back up a couple sentences here i don't have time to work on stuff anymore (laughs) so having a project i gotta i kind of gotta weigh my my hobbies and anybody that's tuned in knows that i'm big in the off-road side on motorcycles uh so i love motocross and and single track riding and woods riding stuff like that hard enduro uh, and even adventure bike and that is by far my my go-to hobby so if i have free time that's what i want to be doing um I don't have the time to work on a rig anymore, but I still be in here. I wanted to have a rig that speaks, you know, volumes to our consumer base that I can still go out and enjoy and think of it as a tool for me to get out to a base camp and then enjoy my toys from there. Well, it's kind of cool that you picked it up too. Cause we're not, I mean, obviously you've seen our past builds in the past with some of the, the bigger ones, you know, howitzer on the, the Ram 2500, the gladiator, yeah. Um, a lot of the other big builds we stretch, it's all been Jeep or Dodge stuff. So it's, it's cool. I mean, we're, we're dipping into the Toyota stuff, which is rad because, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I There's wouldn't say it's, it's new for us. Cause yeah. I, like you said, you've been around Toyotas forever, but, um, they're definitely, we don't do a lot of Toyota builds and the, the forerunner, I think it was the one Toyota build we did got a lot of, got a lot of attention. So we're excited for it. Um, yeah. So I knew I was going to jump into, you know, long story short, I wanted to jump into a new pickup. I wanted a, a crew cab truck that I could haul the kiddos in, but I, my previous trucks being full size, it's so dang hard to get up into trails <laughs> up in our area. Cause we they get mean, tight. If I lived further South where it was desert, then I probably wouldn't with a full, full size truck. I mean, right. it'd be great to have more room, but up here, um, I can't tell you how many times I've destroyed the side of my pickup going through brush and trees and stuff like that so i wanted to say stay with a you know a, a mid-size it needed to be a pickup because i needed to haul things 
Um, I did pick it up before the Gladiator was released. Um, in hindsight, I might have went with the Gladiator. Tough to say, but the price point of the Tacoma is really well. Um, not right now with the uh, current prices, but yeah, yeah. Um, I picked it up for them. a really good price. And like you said, the color, I love the cement gray. I knew I wanted to stay with a pickup, so that drew me towards the Tundra or the Tacoma. Again, full size versus small, I went with the Tacoma. Um, so it's a 2019 TRD off-road. Um, chose the TRD off-road because I wanted the you know off-road features, the rear e-locker, crawl control, multi-train select, a lot of kind of jam-packed features they put in them. But kind of drove it for a while and started the build. Yeah, which is killer. <clears throat> you had parts for a while, um, and you were waiting on things. But let's dive into um, one thing. I feel like one of the most common questions that's asked for people that are new to the, especially the Tacoma crowd is what's the biggest tire I can get on there. And, and we'll dive into that. Cause I know you have a lot of stuff to say on, on that, but yeah. um, you know, phase one of most of our builds kind of, to a certain extent revolves around what size tire are we doing? And then we dive right into suspension and wheels. So let's start there. What, yeah. what combos did you go with? Why? Um, yeah, you want to go with some, you know, choose your tire size and what you're going to use the truck for and right. then build your suspension to complement the tire size. Um, and same goes with drivetrain. This truck, again, to touch on, it's not a hardcore off-roader. I'm not going to purposely take it out on wheel and trails. However, it will get on trails. Um, most of the time I commute back and forth to work, you know, 40 plus miles a day. Um, and on the weekends we go camping I see some, you know, mostly for service trail, some high clearance four by four trails and a little bit of off road right. here and there. So, um, all the parts that I had selected was with that in mind. And I tell that to customers all the time is really build your truck for what you use it for 90% of the time. It is very common in our industry for somebody to build something that's like, it's yeah. going to work so well off road, but then it's just garbage on the street and you drive it monday through friday and you go off-road once a month so yep. it just doesn't make any sense so um yeah we did phase one and i'm doing it in phases so it's a little bit lighter on the pocketbook um <laughs> and i like to kind of do that so i can get a better idea on the parts and how big of a you know difference they've made from one part to the next it's you know trying to like diagnose something wrong with yourself if you change a hundred things at once you can't figure it out so right. i like to kind of build it in small steps and you can really appreciate each modification better totally so um tire size again daily driver i, d I didn't want to go too big and i didn't want to go with the average size so i went just a touch kind of right in between i went with a 34 11 5 17 which uh for p metric sizing it was a 285 75 17 nitto ridge grappler C load range gotcha. and that's kind of what I based my build off of I wanted to do kind of that hybrid all-terrain work well on the road like I normally drive but still a bit aggressive cleans out well works well off-road right um, and those are the Ridge grapplers yeah I went with Ridge the cool thing with the Nittos is the 11 fives I think those are killer I like tall skinny yeah they're they like just pizza cutters they work awesome in everything for There's, the most part. For the most part. I, I'm not the biggest fan of that tire in the snow. Um, they don't work extremely well there, but that's not always what I use this truck for. So, right. again, keeping <clears throat> that in mind. And I, and I wanted something that was durable, rugged, cleaned out well. And when I say durable, rugged, good puncture resistance while being off-road. 
um, and just overall form and function out of the tire itself. I didn't want something that's going to last 10,000 miles and sound like monkeys beating the bottom of my right. fenders with hammers. Yeah, they are quiet tires, and they so, wear really good. Yeah, I, I fully expect to get, if I don't puncture one, probably 30K out of it. Oh, yeah. Which is, I mean, I get my money's worth, so. Totally. Um, that tire size chose suspension. Um, again, everything being on the practical side, I didn't want to do long travel. I wanted to keep it um, the same track width as stock so I can keep things under the fender. As much as the industry is loving to push people to go wider, 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 where you're out skating and tires are outside of the fender flares, um, that's that's not me. I wanted it to be, again, practical. I want to drive it Monday through Friday and not have to fix rock chips right. every single weekend. So Or wash it every time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, for suspension, um, pretty exciting we went with a different brand that we've ever done than what we have ever done in the past which was elka suspension yep um i think you talked to them for a bit and they offer a really big catalog for really what we do atv utv and truck yep um which i guess fox and some other brands do but companies like let's say icon or king they just really focus on sure the truck side well the other thing before not to cut you off there that i really like about elka that initially drew our I don't know what that was folks but somebody may have died <laughs> um, what initially drew me to Elka you know talking with them at the show I, th I think we ran it I can't remember what show we ran into them but <clears throat> whether it's your truck whether it's your four-wheeler whether it's your side-by-side -side, um, they're very customizable to your specific needs they ask you a lot of questions and they build every shock it's not just a part number that comes off their shelf they valve it differently. They build it to your specs. They ask you what upper control arms you're running. They ask you on the side-by-sides if you're carrying a full-size spare. Uh, they, they get really detailed with their shocks, and I'm excited to have it on your Toyota because, like you said, this is the first time we've ran yeah. um, some of their Elko stuff. We have them on the YXC, and so far they've been killer. Yeah, and I've actually spent a lot of time in that machine as well, the YXC, and between that and my pickup, I'm pretty dang impressed. Yeah. Um, I did select the shock package with future modifications in mind. So knowing right now, um, I don't have all the weight that was originally intended to be on them. So my spring rate's not ideal and valving is not ideal because I had them set them up for gotcha. front bumper, front winch, winch rock yeah. sliders, um, usually something in the bed, whether it be one, two bikes or a tent, rooftop tent. Um, so they really valved it for that. So when I'm unloaded, it is a bit firm, um, but I'm, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too when it right. comes to shock valving it's difficult to get that happy medium right and so, they have different options of shocks too right like they have you can get just a single 2.0 monotube to yeah they've actually of. they just released actually monotube series shocks so non-remote reservoir <clears throat> non-coil over design almost like the think of like the bilstein 5100 series yep um our 7100 series where it's a basic replacement strut style shock so they have different stages of you know shock performance available. Um, I went all the way to stage 100 when it came to their <laughs> their shock. Uh, they're 2.5 DC, so it's a remote reservoir coilover, uh, two to three inch lift. They do offer it for zero to two as well, and it is a dual speed control compression dampening for high and low speed. So pretty slick setup. The adjustability of it too, right? Yeah, and I've actually used it quite a bit. Um, right now being unloaded, I'm actually all the way out with compression, uh, high speed and low speed compression. So 
um, definitely helped, but I do stiffen it up a bit when I'm fully loaded. Gotcha. So gives you that flexibility. But um, another cool thing about Elka, they are based out of Canada, which is what it means to you is they deal with adverse weather. Yes. You see a lot of like king and fox down south, and they work really well there. I have nothing against those shocks. But you take them up here in the northwest where we get rain, snow, mud, salt. And whatever they put on the roads. I don't know what it is, but it's nasty. Lime, everything. And by the way, you get all those five seasons like in one day. So shock bodies just get destroyed up here. Um, Between the, the bearings, the shock body, they corrode like crazy. Powder coating falls apart. It's really tough to find any part that actually holds up as well as like an OE shock. But Elka being out of Canada, they deal with similar weather. They build all their shocks out of aluminum and anodize them. So the bodies are all hard anodized. Yep. Um, much better corrosion resistance. They're going to last longer, um, physically look nicer. Their bearings and stuff are all fully sealed. Yeah. Um, so that's like a big issue with some of the other brands. They use a, a basically a uniball end at the upper and lower half and, I don't. Those don't last long. No. You get 10,000 <clears> miles out of them. The other really cool thing with Elka, too, and I don't want to scare you guys away, um, when I said they're fully customizable and it's not a part number that just they put in a box and ship to you. Granted, times are a little crazy right now with inventory and coming out of the pandemic and things are tough to get. But if the part number is on their shelf, their build time is like five days and it's in the mail on the way to you. So as long as they have the shocks and, and all the parts they need, they can Assemble turn around. Time. Yeah, they can get them all dialed into your exact spec specifications and five days later it's in the mail on the way to you so yeah that's that's really cool yeah um think of it like subway they have all the fixings there yeah, exactly and you get to choose you know what valving and whatnot they'll build and assemble the shock for your use your application your modifications yep. uh, so pretty exciting uh, most of the time you buy another brand shock you have to get it and then send it back out change the springs have it revalved Mm-hmm. You get it all one-stop shop with them, so it's it's pretty cool. I'm I'm glad to be carrying their product. Yeah, and overall, I'm I'm impressed. That's again, you guys have to check the video out. Um, second to none when it comes to their bracketry, their hardware. It's all stainless. Yeah, it looks good. Um, just overall, it's it's a killer setup. So I've been happy with that. And then, and this is gonna be a long one. I know. Um, from shocks, did their front and rear, up front, stock lower control arm. Didn't really see a need to change it. Maybe right. down the road, if I if I ding one up or bend it, I might change. But knew I had to do an upper control arm. A um, lot of options out there. We carry a lot. Dirt King is who we went with. Another um, new one for us. Yeah, and I, I like supporting new brands, kind of getting a feel for them. And um, I'm sure you guys have listened, if you haven't before, or know much about our company. We like to test a lot of product on our own personal rigs before we even put it on the website. So we have a really good uh, knowledge base and can say man these things are garbage these things are good um so with the dirt king arms they're a ball joint arm same exact speech corrosion rust things like that just kill uniball arms up here so a ball joint arm is definitely going to excel in poor weather and that's why we went with that ball or uh, yeah ball joint upper arm and then furthermore it's built out of chromoly tubing it's a lot stronger less deflection and it has built-in caster to help with that's the, awesome the drivability once you do lift it you lose caster so right. when they rebuild it into the control arm meaning the ball joint is relocated the truck drives like it should and specs for alignment will come back where it uh where it needs to be 
So what else? Uh, I know you did a little bit more in the rear. Uh, we'll get into it, but I know you're running a bunch of camping stuff out back. So what'd you do to help out with um, the rear suspension, not overloading it and having the truck popping wheelies everywhere? Yeah, that's a good good point. The first thing, actually, the factory shocks worked pretty well. I was pretty happy with them. But, and that had the TRT off-road package, so it came with the, like the yellow 4600 Bilsteins, and it was okay. Right. The rear shocks are were ridiculously small though i mean they're like literally the size of a quarter in <laughs> diameter oh jeez, tiny tiny little things so not a whole lot of valving there but the rear springs are super soft in these trucks um i swear they don't expect you to haul more than like a hay bale without just right. overloading it so i mean if i put a like two bikes or my tent and a cooler in it i would bottom off of washboards and like oh, water geez. bars and it would bottom hard so um Deaver springs is what we went with so rather than doing like an pack or a block to get height i went with a full replacement leaf pack and Deaver's really good company i'm sure a lot of people have heard of them um really kind of synonymous in the off-road industry when it comes yep. to performance leaf springs and they do offer different springs for the tacoma spring under um, their j66 long travel springs or stock replacement springs and then recently they released their Expedition Series. Um, knowing that I had a bunch of weight going in the back of the truck, I usually have a tent or bikes like I've noted. Um, we went with their their Expedition Stage 1s. And they have different stages, Stage 1, 2, and 3. And I believe the Stage 1 is 100 to 300 pound load. Yep. Um, so it ended up giving me the ability to haul, again, those things in the back, bike, tent, things like that without squatting or worrying about not having enough, you know, payload capacity. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Furthermore, they gave us about two inches of lift in the rear is what it came out oh, nice. to. So leveled the truck out. They ride better. Oh, yeah. Um, Drivability is night and day. I had that, did very similar thing on my Colorado once I threw a rooftop tent rack and all the other overland stuff in the back yeah. and upgraded the Devers. And it's significantly noticeable as far as drivability when you have that much weight in the back stock versus the full replacement spring pack yeah totally <clears throat> um so we'll, we'll get through this guys but there's lots of information on these the biggest question like i said earlier is how big of a tire can you fit on a tacoma with a leveling kit so i know you've got a lot of knowledge about this i know you had to do a little bit of um fabbing yourself so yeah. let's talk about um what it takes for a guy We'll say 35s just because I think that's probably the one that everyone wants to do, um, even though – and it's pretty much the same process for what you had to do, right? Yeah. So, hey, if you want to run a 35 on your truck, more power <laughs> to you on your, your Tacoma. And it's sad that we can't because I wish Toyota would listen to us weird. and look at it because the fact that I can buy a Jeep and put 37s on it with a inch-and-a-half leveling kit, yep, it, it makes me – makes me pretty upset that i can't run a barely run a 33 without having to cut things apart so yeah um Toyota, so what does that process entail what 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 do you have to do because yeah. a lot of people don't even know so the toyota primarily toyota tacoma and also the forerunner there is the biggest issue is there's a cab mount that actually holds the front position of the cab uh basically right where your foot sits in the cab there's a bolt that runs down through there and goes into a big metal mount on the frame if you go to an oversized tire, your tire swings into that and rubs it. Um, downfall is it's part of the frame. <laughs> so you can't just like trim some plastic and away you go. 
this metal part of the frame is protruding out right into the wheel well and uh, causes a lot of issues. So the number one question, how big can I go without doing it? If you have the right backspace wheel on a small lift leveling kit, you can generally get around a 32 to 33, depending on offset and tire. Um, so like a two, uh, you know, 285, 70, 17, you may be able to get away with it. But anything bigger than let's say 32, 33, you're gonna have to jump into a cab mount chop, or sometimes you see like CMC short for cab mount chop, where you do exactly that. You're cutting the cab mount and replating it, moving it back just a tiny bit. Um, and a lot of times you can relocate the cab mount with an aftermarket kit or the cab mount chop. Again, you're actually just cutting a portion of it off and then welding a plate in where you cut out. So you have a little bit more tire clearance there. So a lot of people get really freaked out when you try and explain them. You got to cut into your frame if you're going to do, you know, an inch and a quarter lift with 33s you're not cutting the frame off you're cutting a section of it and plating yeah. it yeah and sealing it off it's almost like a think of it like your body mounts a big rectangle right. and you're just cutting one of the 90 degree corners off and making it a 45, 45. <clears throat> so you're just plating that back right where the tire sweeps back into and you still might have to do some inner fender trimming like i had to trim a lot of the inner valance and the inner plastic fender sure um that's pretty straightforward a good sharp knife you can get right through it um, and then the other kind of tricky part people get scared about is there's a body um, pinch weld where the body seam comes together and that is almost like a knife that runs out into the fender and you do have to fold that over most people get under there with a rubber mallet and you can kind of fold it over it's pretty thin material um, that's what I ended up doing is just kind of beating it flat up against the, the firewall so you have a little bit more tire clearance and then go back through it and reseal it and paint it, undercoat it, so it looks all factory. Gotcha. Um, I've seen some poor jobs where people try to like cut it out, <laughs> and then you have a big hole in your floorboard and try and some fill no-no. that. <laughs> um, just take your time with it, or if you have questions, definitely you know email me, call me. Um, there's a million videos on YouTube about it, so uh, right. if you're a Toyota guy, you're probably already tuned out by now because you've heard this speech many times. But for those that are new. <laughs> That's kind of what you got to get into, and you really have to focus on the wheel back spacing, wheel width, and tire size for offset and everything to get it in the fender well and not rub everything. And do you know what offset you're running, just for reference for people listening? Yeah, so my we touched on 285, 75, 17, so 34, 11, 5, 17 is the tire size, and then I went with a Method Race Wheels um, 702 bead grip wheel, which is a... 17 by eight and a half so eight and a half wide and it has a four and three quarter backspace which is uh, zero offset so zero millimeter offset four and three quarter inch backspace so the the tire ended up being you know just about flush with the fender well doesn't rub on the upper control arm don't Good. have any sort of rubbing on the sway bar no rubbing on the inner fender um, so overall it, it turned out really well the other big portion of this that gets neglected and again i totally expect you toyota guys would already know this because this is like <laughs> covered everywhere this is 101's toyota bible here when it comes to tacoma drivetrain the well we'll get to that too <laughs> um alignment specs mean more than any other part of the suspension right. what i mean by that is the factory upper control arm is non-adjustable so you can't change caster camera with the upper control arm it's fixed 
the lower has eccentric bolts. They're almost like an egg-shaped bolt. And as you rotate that bolt, it pushes the control arm outer in. And the goal, if you have a good upper control arm, is you're going to max out caster all the way out. I shouldn't say caster. You're going to max out the cam bolt on the rear control arm bolts, lower control arm bolts, all the way out. And then all the way in on the front bolts. And essentially, if you can imagine a triangle and your ball joints at the tip of the triangle, and you shorten one side and lengthen the other, you're going to push the whole wheel and tire forward in the fender well. Right. And it is a pretty big amount. I mean, we're talking like over an inch. So if you're rubbing like crazy, you may be able to kind of finesse that with the correct alignment specs to push the wheel and tire forward and get out of the fender well. Gotcha. Um, very easily overlooked. A lot of times guys will lift their Tacoma, go with the tire size, take it to Les Schwab or Discount or whoever, Joe Schmo that just lines it right back to stock specs and it drives like crap but it rubs everywhere yeah so you really have to fine tune that take it to somebody that's done them before or print out your specs like i did and take it to the alignment shop and say this is what i want i want zero here i want three here etc cetera, etc cetera. and then they can make all the other adjustments they need if you do have a nice upper control arm from yeah. that upper arm yeah and leave the rear alone exactly or the the lowers alone i mean <clears throat> well, the upper helps you tune, fine tune things in, right? Um, camber and caster, but most of your aftermarket upper arms have three-ish degrees of caster, usually two to four degrees. So I'll say three is a safe area of caster built in, so you can really get more out of the upper and sacrifice out of the lower by sure. moving the tire forward. Gotcha, gotcha. Ah, uh, that's a. I hate that conversation. I wish <laughs> I wish you could just bolt your 35 on. And the other big deciding factor, I was going to go with the 35. I even had 35s here. Um, at the end of the road, I just decided not to because I wanted to keep my inner fenders. Um, again, <laughs> I've had a truck in the past that didn't have inner fenders, and it destroyed everything. Not I had fun. <laughs> fuse box issues. I had wiring issues. I had mud being thrown up through everything in the engine department. Oh, yeah. Um, our compartment there. So inner fenders I had to retain, and going down just doesn't sound like much, but one inch made enough clearance where I could keep all the plastic in it. Right. Um, so. Which brings us into the next topic that gets highly Dude, discussed. what's going on with these and overlook. I don't Is it you? No, Cooper and I had a conversation. We named one of them. If you guys listen to the episode where we named one of the flies, they're still here. I don't know. They need to go away. It's weird. We do have a, crazy. a barn next to our building. True. That doesn't help with a bunch of horses. But um, speaking of horses and horse pressures, um, drivetrain, right out of the gate, you you had already mentioned, you know, these platforms are not something that somebody goes out and buy for the horsepower, right? It's You're not. you going to be really disappointed. I've got the Tundra, and, uh, yeah, it's it's not a truck you, you go and buy just for um, the fun of driving it and feeling horsepower. So you went to a bigger wheel size or bigger tire size, um, we've covered this on previous episodes. We'll dive into what gear package you went with, why, and how important it is for that specific platform. So the third-gen Tacomas are the worst vehicle that I have ever driven from the showroom floor. Right. And that's, a, that's, that's tough for me to say, but they have a pretty, I, I'm not going to say underpowered engine because engine makes really good power. Um, it's a 3.5 liter V6, all aluminum. They use them in many other Toyota cars 
and other platforms, and they actually make really good power. On paper, I think they make 280, 278, 280 horsepower, which it's respectable, naturally aspirated little tiny V6, and a small pickup should move. But if you look at the numbers, this thing makes all the power in around 6,000 RPM, and the issue is they matched up that engine to a six-speed transmission that has a double, kill this thing, <laughs> um, has a six-speed automatic with a double overdrive. And the issue with the double overdrive is it has such a deep overdrive that the engine almost never gets into sixth gear, or sorry, transmission never gets into sixth gear. And on top of that, your engine never gets into the RPM range that actually makes any sort of power. Gotcha. So, um, and then to compile that issue, they go with the 392 gear and the differentials is what they come with stock. Um, I swear they built this thing for this Bonneville salt flats. You <laughs> can drive it like 180 miles an hour um, and barely turn over idle in the engine. So, you know, that said, if you've driven one, you're going to be pretty disappointed. And it has more to do with the differential gearing than anything. That's the easiest fix is to re-gear these things. And even on a bone stock Tacoma, third gen Tacoma, um, especially third gen Tacoma, you should consider re-gearing. Even bone stock tire, you can get away with something like a 488. Totally. Um, and again, it's that deep overdrive. The The sixth gear, I want to say, is a 0.62, which is it's pretty dang deep. I mean, you think of your average four-speed trans um, fourth gears one one we're talking a 0.63 overdrive so it's extremely deep um, and to take advantage of that you can get away with numerically high high gearing and it still doesn't scream the engine down the road so I went with 529s I'm very happy that I did some people go holy cow 529s this thing's going to be screaming it, it doesn't um, again, keep in mind the engine makes, it's a small V6. It makes its peak power at really high RPM ranges. Um, the transmission is way happier. It bangs through the gears. I mean, it's not constantly downshifting. In my experience with the stock 392s, it would, even on stock size tire, it would downshift two to three times on the freeway just for me to pass somebody. Oh, jeez. And it, the <clears> worst part <throat> is, is annoying. it, oh, it's terrible. Uh, the worst part is, is it, it doesn't even downshift correctly. Like it doesn't go from sixth to fourth. Does it go six, five, four? Yeah. Like, okay, you need a little more. We'll go to five. Ah, uh, this isn't enough. We're going oh, to four. No. Uh, we'll go to the third. <laughs> oh, like this whole time you're about to get ran over by an 18 wheeler. It's just waiting for yeah. the power to kick in. So it's just, <clears throat> I, I wish they would have done something better. And I hope moving forward in the next generation, they, they fix that because I think they, they made a big mistake. But on the other hand, I think it's a lot of consumer base because everybody's pushing for these economy numbers that are just right. impractical. And the one way you can get it is to lower Change engine RPM gear. range. Yep. Um, and honestly, when you go on an off-road rig like this, yeah, economy's maybe a top 10 thing for me, but it's not a top five. It's not a top three smiles per gallon. Yeah. Like I'm building this thing to enjoy driving. Right. I want it to be responsive economy. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's saved some money and that's, that's might be very important to you. If it is, I wouldn't look at a Tacoma. You look at the Tacoma because it's a, a capable platform and you want right. it to drive the way that you wanted to. So exactly. Um, Getting on that note, it, it really 
economy actually picked up after going to 529s. Isn't that crazy? The same, very similar thing happened to me in my Colorado when we went from, I don't remember what the stock ratio was, but we, we ended up doing 456. And I, am, I gained a mile per gallon. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. And for those of you that aren't, that are very new to the off-road world, jumping into overlanding, whatever it may be, you don't have to be a crazy off-roader. Like Ash just said, bone stock on stock tires, re-gearing the Tacoma is a great idea. Um, but go back. We, we covered this. I think you were on the, the podcast, weren't we? I'm Me, sure. you, and Cooper. The Gear? gears? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we did, we did, we covered an entire episode and went in-depth. Um, well, I shouldn't say we went in-depth. Cooper and Ash went in-depth on the mechanical advantage of re-gearing your vehicle and how crucial it is. And, and in our opinion, it's the most overlooked, um, underrated upgrade you can do on your rig. It, it sucks. I, I wish more people would understand it. It'd be cool if it. you could, like, see it. I know, like you spend <laughs> you spend three thousand dollars. I mean, you buy fifteen hundred dollars worth of gears. You right. spend another fifteen hundred for installation, and your truck looks. There's sick. nothing to show for it. Yeah, like if I had three grand, well, yeah, I'm gonna buy bumpers and lights and all this cool stuff because <laughs> exactly. it looks cool. The but, crazy thing is though, and I know you can say this from experience too, when you drop your truck off and you go to pick it up, it's almost like they put a tune in it. Like it it changes your throttle response. It changes your shift points. It changes a lot. Of the, how your truck drives. The one thing with this, this truck that I notice more than anything else, and it always cracks me up, is you get so fine-tuned to your truck. Because I drove it kind of stock for almost 30,000 miles, uh, just light modifications. And you get really in tune to, like, I know everybody, you drive your truck enough and somebody, like, moves your seat position. You can right. you can immediately tell. Yeah. You, you really get, you know, everything that the truck does, you become in unison with it. Totally. So brake pressure it's the one thing that tripped me out with doing 529s that cracks me up still is when i put the truck in gear i'm used to like putting just enough brake pressure with the stock gearing <laughs> that the truck would hold its position <laughs> but put now it in gear and it leaps forward on 529s you? have such a high mechanical advantage <laughs> that even at idle when i put it into gear the truck wants to like i have to put That's physically so more crazy. brake pressure it's it weirds me out but that gives you an example, like how much easier it is for the engine to move the vehicle with the right gearing. It, yeah, and again, we touched on this on the episode, but that's a great point. Like re-gearing this is beneficial not only to the drivability of the vehicle, but the the engine and trans life. Yeah, it just makes totally. everything everything work happy. So, got suspension, got wheels, tires, got the drivetrain covered. Um, let's briefly touch on a little bit of. <clears throat> the other kind of fun camping stuff you have, future plans, and then um, anything else. You guys are just going to have to come to the website. We've already got a vehicle landing page for it, too. Yeah, I put some work into the, the landing page. Everybody was a big help there to put it all together. Um, we got some really cool content, some pictures. Um, got a lot of the product that's on there to lo load it up on there. So if you want to buy the same product, you can. Um, that's pretty exciting. I haven't had a landing page before, so that's, uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yes. Um, but all the products on there, I know we're going to skip over a ton of things on this podcast. It'll take forever to talk about everything. Right. Um, but the meat and potatoes, yeah. Suspension, Elka suspension, stoked on upper arms, Deaver springs, nitro, uh, ring and pinion, 529 gear sets. Um, also did the front bushing fix on the front CV axle. Um, which is a big vibration issue once you lift these trucks. So that's a good one to do. Um, 
again the the tire size the method b grip wheel um, that really wrapped up kind of the drivetrain side of things and then for the fun part just adding in little you know accoutrements to make camp and drive and whatnot funner um, i did add in some stuff i jumped the gun because i'm i really got to save a lot of money to go to the phase two which um not to sp to spoil it but to spoil it at the same time <laughs> i'm going to jump into i think the second portion of the build will be armor so i want to do Ooh. for sure rock sliders right um, that's a must <clears throat> i want to protect the side of the truck and then undecided on a rear bumper but for sure front bumper winch um, some additional recovery gear just protection armor skid plates things right. like that and i'm gonna kind of the goal on this build is to make it minimalist so i'm not gonna bolt in uh, you know, I'm not going to do the normal overland. Like, I'm not going to have microwaves and blenders in the back and awnings what and are you tents and about? chairs. And <laughs> I'm not going to make my 3,000-pound Tacoma an 8,000-pound Tacoma. That's, That's my good goal. for it. <sighs> okay. It helps your suspension settle in. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to, when it comes to armor, I'm going to go probably aluminum on a lot of the stuff. Right. Um, which I'm excited about. Uh, again, not a dedicated off-road rig, so I can probably get by with aluminum on a lot of stuff. Sure. Um, other than sliders, I'll go steel. Um, that's a no-brainer there, but I think probably front bumper, skid plates, things like that, I'm going to go aluminum. Cool. Um, so, again, jumping the gun, I was going to do armor second phase. Third phase, I was going to do just overall accessories like onboard air, uh, recovery kits, things like that. Just lighting really. everywhere. That was going to be stage four. Oh, stage four. You're jumping the gun on me here. <laughs> so stage four lighting, because I mean, it's not cheap. We're we're not if doing you want good quality lighting. It's not, not cheap. We're not doing lights before lockers on this one. <laughs> um, really, the drivetrain first. Armor. Not to interrupt. Are you doing a front locker? I didn't decide. I I didn't do a front locker. No. Okay. I was going to upgrade. I was on the factory fence. locker. Well, I'm. I don't have any reason to do anything in the back because it's got a factory lock. Right. The front has, because it has a multi-train select and the crawl control, it actually has kind of like a simulated locker in the front. Gotcha. So it uses the ABS wheel speed sensors and applies brake pressure to the tire that's, that's rotating. Or, okay. um, gotcha. So it works actually pretty well, hmm. and I just didn't see a need on this truck. I don't know if I'll ever get into a situation that I'll need a front locker. I say that now. Stay tuned for the video where I'm <laughs> stuck. Just wadded up. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't decide, or I, I did decide to not go with a front locker. But, um, again, I jumped, the, I jumped the gun a little bit. Um, I added in some lighting and onboard air and some of my previous kind of recovery kit and stuff that I've accumulated over the years to this truck now. Um, so I'm a little better set up, and it gives me, you know, a stopping point to where I can save lunch money eat some top ramen there you go and save money for you know phase two three four so other little fun stuff i've added um, in the front i did a baja designs uh, squadron sport fog pocket kit goes right on the factory kit really cool factory harness plug and play those are awesome um baja designs is where it's at scientists of the scientists of lighting the bill nyes of lighting yeah um really good quality lighting i'm happy with that and then i did some squadron sports up top for or sorry squadron pros up top for ditch lights 
Oh, on your A pillars. Yeah. Okay. Um, your head mount. Never really been a big fan of mounting lights up there, but I will say they work pretty dang well. Um, especially I have them angled out just a tiny bit. Oh, they're um, killer so up here when you're in the dark going down a back road, and that one yeah. deer that's ten feet off the road, you know, yeah, you're not. See. I say it. I said it in another one of these. Listen to our lighting episode where I touch into lighting, but the factory headlight and stuff like that, you almost feel like you're driving through a tunnel. You yeah. have this like beam of light in front of you, and everything off the side is just black. You can't see anything, and you got game animals. You have corners that you can't see that you have you know a 200 foot cliff off the side you yep. have kyle's corner oh boy you didn't see and you sent it you know <laughs> off the side of it but we'll um, get into that another time <laughs> <laughs> so i did ditch lights uh baja designs pros driving combo squadrons uh, squadrons yeah okay i was gonna go something a little smaller but I think the squads look the best. They look good. They're just like the perfect diameter. Yep, especially for the midsize. That's what I was running on the Colorado. It's just proportional. Yeah. I yeah. dig it. So I did those for lighting. Um, I just, this last weekend, I put a ARB onboard air system in. Um, what a freaking nightmare. <laughs> Not from ARB, but for my own part, because I'm like way too detail-orientated. Like I like to try to make stuff sleeper or look factory, which took... It took me 11 hours to install it. Oh, jeez. 78 feet of wiring. <laughs> and this is duplex and triplex wiring. So really, if you added all the wiring up, it's probably it's four <laughs> times that. But I added in a onboard air single or sorry, ARB onboard air single compressor in the bedside. Um, added in a, a deck panel. So I have a bunch of power and accessories out back for future goal or kind of future build. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, stole the rooftop tent from my last truck. There you go. I had a ARB Simpson 3, so I put that on this one. Perfect. And I have it on a rack that I can remove easily. I went with, again, a kind of a minimalist rack. Um, well, and you, you, unlike me, I typically, once I have my rooftop tent on, and these flies are crazy, um, I, I keep mine on year-round. I yeah. know you're always pulling yours on and off because you're loading dirt bikes or other stuff, so... Um, it actually looks really killer, but I mean, you can take that thing on and off pretty quick, can't you? Yeah, you use the the Toyotas come with the little channels down the bed. Yep, um, which is pretty cool. the The rack that I'm using just sits right over those and uses some hardware that bolts right to the the little channels. So when I want to take it out, it's just boop comes right off. Right on. Um, and I, I don't have my tent on year round. I I put it on for peak camping season, and then the rest of the year, if we go camping, I'll just tent camp ground temp right um but there seems to be kind of that perfect window when i stop riding because it's too hot <laughs> and it's time to camp it's time to camp it's yeah. time to go to the lake uh, we're always camping by a creek or a lake or something like that so there seems to be again like that probably about a two month six to eight week window that we camp every single weekend um so i i enjoy having it it makes camping a little nicer but right. i don't i don't keep the tent on at you know all times gotcha so what are we missing? Gosh, I think that's it's everything I'm aware of. I mean, I should have brought the build list in because I'm sure we're going to jump right over things. Yeah. Got the Elkas, uppers, cab mount shop, gears. Um, I did a speedometer calibrator on it. Just calibrate the speedometer from Hypertech um, so everything reads accurately. Um, did the onboard air. Got all a bunch of uh, accessories to go along with that, and then the rest is just kind of the 
kind of basic bolt-on stuff. Right. Um, you know, recovery gear, your, I call it your loadout or your kit that you carry with your truck at all times. Right. And overall, it's been a great little pickup. Got 30K on it, or 30, coming up, no, I actually, I just spent 35,000 on it. Um, so I put a decent amount of miles on it. Oh, yeah. I'm happy. Well, it's a cool truck. If you guys want to check it out, go to our homepage, click on vehicle builds. This Tacoma is called Grout. Um, and like Ash said, you can see all the parts he put in there. He's got an awesome description on there of why he did everything. Um, and you can buy any parts that you want for your Tacoma right off that landing page. So make sure you check that out. Go check out the YouTube video if you want to see him talking about it in a little different platform, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, definitely stay tuned. Um, I've said it in the past, but we do all these updates on these vehicle builds. Um, obviously, the podcasts take a little bit longer to edit and get out into the podcast realm. So if you guys want to see live updates on any of our builds, make sure you go to our Instagram, go to our Facebook, go to our YouTube. Uh, we're updating those things pretty much on a daily basis with updates yeah. on any build we're doing side by sides, the Ram charger, our personal trucks. Um, so go over there, check that stuff out. Uh, again, can't thank you guys enough for tuning in. Ash, I'm stoked for phase three, four, five, six, and seven. Yeah. It'll be a cool truck. I'm hoping to keep it doing. around for a while and also excited that we have a pretty cool fleet right now, which yeah. we touched on a previous podcast. Right. And there's a lot of, lot of stuff going on. Yeah. A lot of builds, a lot of fun stuff. And if you like to, co- be you epic. know, Toyota stuff, let me know. Let us know. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, we like to build stuff that makes you guys happy. So, um, I know there's a lot of Toyota guys out there. Maybe that's not our market yet. Cause there's other companies that specialize in it, but Hey, the nice I thing, have, not to cut you off, but no, the nice good. thing about how it's not necessarily our niche, but we have the experience in it. Like yeah. you said, you've been doing this since Oh six, you've been building Toyotas since then, if not before then. Yeah. Um, so we definitely have a really good staff here that's really knowledgeable in pretty much any application, whether it's UTV or Toyotas. So yeah. And I'm a Toyota guy now. Never thought I'd say that, but I'm in the Tundra. So you say the Thundra? The th- <laughs> I that actually should be the name of it. The Thundra. I said the Tundra, but we should call it the Thundra. I'm I sure somebody it. probably already got <clears throat> that name before. Oh yeah. I came up with Grout because I. I mean, everybody says, like, the taco truck or something else, but I oh, thought yeah. grout was cool because uh, grout is cement, uh, water, and sand, I think, is what grout's made out of. And your truck's, and truck's cement, cement color, And I'm always in the water or sand or something like that. There you so, go. Bingo. Bingo, bingo. So. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. As always, it's much appreciated. If you want to check us out, make sure to shoot us an email. Go to our website. We will happily respond. We're here all day, every day, Monday through Friday from 6 to 6. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Cool. See you guys. Later.